This is the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. We're pleased to have with us today attorneys Aaron French and Phil Graham from the law firm of Sandberg, Phoenix, and Van Goddard, PC in St. Louis, Missouri. Aaron is a shareholder and joined the firm in 2003. He specializes in representing insurance carriers and coverage disputes and extra-contractual litigation. He also serves as a business litigation practice group leader. Phil Graham is a shareholder with more than 20 years of experience to the firm's business litigation and products liability practice groups. Phil's practice includes matters such as enforcement and defense of contract rights and other contractual matters, business torts including fraud, negligent misrepresentation, tortious interference with business relations, trade secrets, and other intellectual property. They both contribute to the blog www.badfaithblog.net, and we're very pleased to have you both with us today. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. Thank you, John. Thank you, John, very much. Honored to be here. Now, today's topic is on the handling of third-party claims in Missouri, and Aaron, we're going to start the questioning with you today. Uh, Missouri is quickly becoming known as a risky state for insurers handling third-party claims. Can you tell us why that is? Well, there's a variety of reasons, but I think the main reason is there's been a number of uh, court decisions from our appellate courts and especially our Missouri Supreme Court uh, over the last few years that have been uh, a very pro-policy holder. In fact, uh, there was a recent Missouri Lawyers Weekly uh, study that showed between the years 2001 and 2012, the Missouri Supreme Court, out of 20 cases, decided only four of those cases in favor of uh, the insurance companies on uh, coverage issues and bad faith issues. Uh, primarily, um, there are three cases, a trilogy of cases, uh, coming out of our Missouri Supreme Court the Schmitz versus Great American case from 2011, the Columbia Casualty versus Higher Holdings case from 2013, and the Scottsdale Insurance versus Addison Insurance Company case out of 2014, which have really expanded um, the law here in Missouri and given uh, a number of uh, rights uh, to policyholders and uh, led to a proliferation of uh, garnishment actions, which we'll talk about under our statute 537.065, as well as bad faith claims in the last few years. Phil, what options does a carrier have in Missouri with regard to the duty to defend when there is an actual or potential defense to coverage? Uh, sure. I'd be glad to address that for you. Um, let's talk just real quickly. Um, you know, this is obviously a critical decision point for the, for the carrier when they're getting uh, involved. And um, it, it, it always is worth remembering that, of course, the duty to defend is broader than the duty to indemnify. Um, and in Missouri, the uh, insurer needs to look at both facts alleged and all those, and also those that are known or reasonably ascertainable to it outside of the complaint. But assuming that um, the carrier has has done uh, its analysis and looked at it and believes it has a an actual, you know, a, a, a real or at least potential defense to coverage, um, there are four basic options. Um, they can accept the defense and defend the insured without any reservation of rights. Um, the caveat there is that if they do that, that is also triggers a duty to identify. So there's a need to be careful and, and carefully analyze that that decision. Um, time, timing is also important. Um, 
you know, and then uh, prompt, prompt investigation and assistance from coverage counsel when necessary to make decisions about coverage defenses, you know, is, is important. Um, and it's, it's important to decide those things quickly and early as possible. Um, every case, of course, is different. Every circumstance is different. Second option um, is to defend the case uh, under a reservation of rights. Um, I think we'll address that a little in a little more detail later on. Um, there are a couple of points to consider here when defending under a reservation of rights. Um, it is not, uh, you know, necessarily a, a, a magic or silver bullet in Missouri. Um, I think we're going to talk about this a little more later, but the insured can reject that defense in Missouri. Um, and the insurer may have uh, some technical, you know, may not be able to technically control the defense anymore in some situations and some circumstances if they're defending under a reservation of rights in Missouri. Uh, third, the third option is defend under a reservation of rights and file a declaratory judgment action right away. This gives the carrier some degree of extra protection uh, by seeking an immediate coverage determination. The fourth option, um, assuming that the facts and circumstances in law uh, support it, is to disclaim or deny coverage, and no defense is provided. Um, you know, this is obviously an area where uh, you know carrier needs to be needs to be careful and, and needs to clearly and, and carefully evaluate all the issues before making that type of a defense or that type of a decision on the defense. Now, Aaron, how specific and certain does the reservation of rights letter need to be, and can the insured reject this? I'll take the second part first. Yes, the insured can reject the reservation of rights, a defense with the reservation of rights under Missouri law. And as far as specificity, uh, the uh, court decisions tell us that the, the reservation of rights letters need to be clear. They need to try to avoid confusion. They need to inform the insured of the coverage decision as best possible based upon the information that the insurance company has at the time of issuing the reservation of rights letter and after uh, an investigation has been done. Uh, the the case law in Missouri talks about a number of things that we would advise to, to be in those reservation of rights letter first uh, and foremost. If you're reserving rights, you need to use that phrase, reservation of rights. Uh, the letter should identify the policy or the policies at issue. It should quote or at least refer to the relevant policy provisions, especially any exclusions that the insurance company is relying on to uh, potentially bar coverage. Uh, it should refer to the relevant allegations in the complaint, and it should identify which claims in the lawsuit or the complaint may not be covered. It should explain uh, the basis for the insurance company's coverage position as, as, as well as possible based upon the information it has. It should advise the insured of any actual or potential conflicts of interest, interest uh, between the insurance company and the insured, uh, and it should reserve the right to withdraw from the defense if coverage is deemed uh, to not be uh, found, and it should contain a general reservation of rights letter, including the right to assert other coverage defenses that the insurance company may subsequently learn about uh, during the course of its investigation or during the discovery in the underlying case. So it needs to be pretty specific. So, Aaron, what are the carrier's options if an insured rejects a reservation of rights defense? Well, this is 
similar to some of the things that uh, Phil talked about before, but one of the options is to, at the point of a rejection of a reservation of rights, to then reconsider and go ahead and offer to defend uh, without a reservation, understanding that the there's a high risk that any coverage defenses that they may have asserted in that reservation of rights letter may be deemed to be waived or the insurance company may be stopped from litigating those coverage defenses down the road. Uh, the second, uh, another option would be to go ahead uh, and file a declaratory judgment action at that time to seek a ruling from a court on what the insurance company's rights and obligations are under the uh, policy. Uh, another option would be to just do nothing. Uh, but by doing nothing, they run the risk that the policyholder uh, may then decide, uh, which is their right, because once there's been a rejection of the reservation of rights under Missouri law, that is deemed to be a denial. And once there's been a denial, then the insured, uh, the policyholder, can then enter into an agreement with the claimant uh, or the plaintiff's uh, plaintiff or the plaintiff's attorney uh, under our 537.065 statute, which I think Phil will discuss. And Phil, what does uh, the 537.065 statute permit an insurer to do, and what are strategies for insurers to avoid them? Sure. Well, as Aaron just alluded, um, Section 537.065 comes up when there's either been a, a a disclaimer of coverage, or the insured rejects a reservation of rights defense. And, and that's that's worth highlighting that, you know, Aaron said it, but I'll reiterate it, that in Missouri, a rejection by the insured of a reservation of rights defense is treated as a denial of coverage. Um, so if either of those two things happens, uh, then 537.065 can come into play in the right circumstances. And what it permits is it permits... Um, a tortfeasor or his insurer or both of them to enter into an agreement with the plaintiff um, that, that basically says in the event a judgment is entered against the insured um, uh, or the tortfeasor, the plaintiff will limit uh, recovery to certain specific assets um, that are set forth in the agreement. And that can potentially be any asset of, of the tortfeasor, but it's usually, uh, and in the context we're talking about here, it's usually limited to uh, uh, an insurance policy or policies. Um, and, and so what happens um, in, the, in the mechanics of this, just real briefly, are, you know, that um, uh, the, the, the agreement is entered into, and then there is typically an expedited bench trial that takes place uh, in which there is no evidence put on uh, in, in favor of the defendant, and a judgment is entered. Um, in favor of the plaintiff, um, usually for uh, all very often an amount in excess of the policy limits. Next comes the garnishment proceeding, which can take one of two forms in Missouri, traditional garnishment or a direct action against the insurer. Uh, the insurer then is, is left with in that garnishment uh, action, you know, with its coverage defenses, um, sometimes with an ability to defend based on the reasonableness of the judgment entered only if there's been no trial uh, or trying to prove fraud and or collusion uh, in entering into the underlying 065 agreement. So they're, they are a big concern. Strategies to try and avoid what we, we call them 065 agreements, so that's what I'll call them, are, are you know kind of go along the following. 
insurers cannot be too too prepared with respect to these. The main thing to be here is to be cognizant and be aware and pay attention to Missouri files. There are certain situations and circumstances to key in on on these cases. You know, a serious injury uh, or death sometimes uh, with a, a situation where there may be a you know a limited, a very limited liability defense. Cases where there are multiple claimants. Uh, even where the injuries themselves may be less severe individually, uh, and or you know sometimes the defense prospects may be may be better, but there are still a number of claimants. And then also along with that, uh, both those scenarios, the limits of insurance that are relatively low in comparison to the exposure risk. Those are you know those are the sorts of circumstances that ought to be raising awareness uh, by the insurer if they see them that it's in Missouri, they see those types of facts, they need to be looking at it carefully and they need to be thinking about what's going to happen next and be very aware. Um, along with that, um, you know, promptly investigating the underlying claim, you know, obtaining any necessary coverage analysis promptly, uh, getting that, uh, you know, underway as quickly as possible, uh, recognizing that all, all cases uh, have different facts and circumstances that, you know, affect their ability to do that. Um, also, considering carefully the you know the relative risks of disclaiming coverage, you know altogether, or defending under a reservation of rights that can be rejected in Missouri, and having that rejection treated as a denial of coverage. Then, um, you know, this is a situation where the carrier really wants to make sure they're getting, you know, the the advice they they need to hear from their counsel, and you know maybe not just what they want to hear, but what they really need to hear in these cases. Um, you know, so really the watchwords here and the key is awareness, careful evaluation, um, and, and, and real prompt attention to those cases that have those types of, of considerations. And, Phil, what are the types of third-party bad faith recognized in Missouri, and what are the best ways to try to avoid these types of claims? Sure. Well, there are two types of bad faith recognized in Missouri common law. One is the bad faith failure to defend uh, and the other is the bad faith failure to settle. And bad faith, of course, is a state of mind that can be proved either by direct or, or circumstantial evidence. And, you know, what, it, what is shown is, is, is and it really is the intentional disregard for the insured's best interests in an effort to escape the carrier's full responsibility under its policy. And, you know, very often you see this framed in terms of the carrier placing its interests ahead of its insured, uh, insured's interests. So you know, ways to avoid bad faith claims. Well, you know, it may be a truism and, and sound obvious, but always, always act in good faith. And how do you do that? Well, you know, always promptly and fully investigating and evaluating the claimant's damages um, as quickly as possible under all the circumstances. Being aware of and recognizing the severity of the claimant's damages. That's, that's important as well. Um, carefully analyzing the probability that a verdict will exceed the available policy limits. This is, you know, this is a, a point where it's very important to get candid and, and timely evaluation from, from defense counsel um, and making sure that, you know, you as an insurer are getting uh, the feedback you need and reporting you need from your defense counsel so that you've got the information in your file that enables you to make the decisions that you that you need to make and that, 
you know, that you're not just making the right decision, but that there's information in your file that is going to support the decision that you make. Um, another consideration, the, the way of avoiding a bad faith claim is evaluating and fully considering every settlement offer. Making sure you're advising the insured of every settlement offer that comes in. Um, and advising the insured if, they, if, if there is a potential of an excess judgment. Making sure they know that. Uh, you know, I, I would say that transparency is, is the key here. Being transparent with the insured is very important to make sure they're informed, they're fully aware. Um, you know, I mean, the key takeaways here would be remembering that the insurer's interests cannot be subjugated to the carrier's needs or interests. Thoroughly investigating before providing uh, a timely coverage position. And then three, just communicate, communicate, communicate. You really cannot you know, as a carrier, communicate too much with your insured in these types of scenarios that, that, that we've outlined. Uh, and then, again, being aware, being aware of the warning signs that we discussed, those sorts of factors where you've got multiple claimants, serious injuries, low limits, you know, a relatively bad liability defense. Uh, and just being aware of those situations that can lead to uh, the insured uh, entering into a rollover agreement and or bringing a bad faith claim against you. And Aaron, what does the future hold for insurers in Missouri who are handling third-party claims? Well, John, unless there are statutory changes out of our Missouri legislature, Missouri legislature, it's likely Missouri is going to continue to be a state where insurers are going to need to be very knowledgeable and aware of these issues that we discussed here today. Uh, for Missouri citizens and businesses, uh, I fear without some reform, whether it be through the courts or through the legislature, it will lead to higher and higher premiums or even carriers thinking twice about writing policies in Missouri, unfortunately. Aaron and Phil, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. That was attorneys Aaron French and Phil Graham from the law firm of Sandberg, Phoenix, and Van Goddard, PC, in St. Louis, Missouri. And special thanks to today's producer, Frank Bowinkle. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, go to iTunes or our webpage, www.ambest.com slash directories. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed. Those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year 
year-long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 